to Hey, welcome back to the Relentless Positivity Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Martin. Got an awesome guest here today. Really positive dude, excellent musician, great dad, excellent husband, Mike Roberts. Thanks for coming in, man. Howdy. Hey, man. Thank you for coming. I'm just, you're a super positive guy. You're always putting out positive energy through your music and your life and all that. So I wanted to have you on and uh, let's let's start off. So how, where did you grow up? Where are you from? Well, you know, I was born in South Alabama. I was born in Enterprise, Alabama. But I'm, but I, but I lived in my and, and my father's side of the family is from New Brockton, Alabama, which is between Enterprise and Elba. Okay. Okay. You know, but yeah. people are like Elba, and I'm like, that's where the flood, the great. Like, oh yeah, it was just very famous for how many times it flooded over the years. It's just kind of a, it, I don't know. It's just. That's, that's how people know it's just like everybody's got to have your claim to fame man even if it's enterprise flooded, yeah. enterprise got the bowl weevil right you got the bowl weevil, the bowl weevil. <laughs> but when i was three years old my mom and my father split up and we moved my brother i have one brother his name is lee he's older than me and he's one year old about a year about 14 minutes older than me i think it is so we we fought i mean endless, and now we're inseparable and we're very close but uh but we moved up here to huntsville when i was three years old and we lived here pretty much ever since i went back down to south alabama for about a year uh in the seventh grade i spent my seventh grade year in south alabama in enterprise i went to the junior high school and it was only and it was so weird joe because that you know everybody in the nation is different but we're all the same there's a lot you know there's a lot of things that are similar but the enterprise had a seventh grade school it was the prep school for high school and high school was eighth grade through 12th oh wow which is weird, isn't it? Because like yeah. challenge was six through eight, you know, and uh, when I went to Highlands Elementary, it was one to six. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think I went to every school in this city almost. I'll tell you, my mom moved around a lot, just trying to find where to live. And it was just the three of us. And she was in and out of relationships, you know. And uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm basically from here in Huntsville, okay. you know. This is, this is my home. Uh, what know? high school did you graduate from? I graduated from Grissom in 85. That's what I'm talking should... about. Yeah. Go <laughs> yeah, go Tigers. All right, so you, you graduated high school. What, what What's the plan after high school? Did you have a plan? Did you kind of fall into stuff? What did you do right after high school? Well, I'll tell you, Joe, uh, my parents are preachers, and I was playing Christian music, and I went to uh, I went to Calhoun. I decided my mom wanted me to go to Oral Roberts, and I was like, nah, that's, not my, that's not my bag, Mom. So I, 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 so I, I decided they would let me stay home. And I just helped with men a little bit if I could. And I and I, I paid for my school. And I went to uh, Calhoun. And I went there for a year and a half. And I had a, I guess, a mid to high C type average. You know, I was gonna, I was gonna major in English literature. And uh, I, I never had a problem with my classes. I never had a problem driving to the campus because back in back then they didn't have a, a remote. Learning. Was that the mall, school. right? Were you at the mall? No, no, that was before then. That oh, was man. that was when they opened in the mall a little bit after that too, Joe. Or they, around the same time, I went to campus. Uh, uh, I drove to Decatur, and I loved it. But the whole time, all I could think about was playing rock and roll. And I was playing my guitar all the time. And my friends that were out there playing and traveling were making a lot of money compared to what I was making at my day job that I was killing myself 55 hours a week at. And I just, you know what I mean? Uh, I was working hard. I was going to school and I thought, you know, this is weird. So I met with my pastor. I said, listen, I really do. I want to rock and roll. I, I don't know how people are going to feel about it. I'm not sure how to approach it. And he was like, I think that if you want to go do it, you should go do it. And, uh, I did, uh, I don't know if you know Jim Richards or not. He was he was my pastor at the time uh, at Impact Ministries. But just, you know, just cool dude. And so he, he told me, hey man, you know, I don't know, Mike, if you wanted a beer with your pizza, do you feel convicted about having a beer with your pizza? And I'm like, oh no. And he was like, well, you shouldn't feel bad about wanting to play the Eagles either, should you? And I said, no, I shouldn't. You're right, I shouldn't. And, I, and that was it, Joe. I dropped out of college and I started playing music uh, and I started working full time at my, at my job uh as well and so I, I juggled those things for a few years until i could become a full-time musician you know what i mean and uh i, I met a girl we married and moved away uh, it didn't work out i moved back and, uh and i i met kim 
at a gig through one of my friends and uh, I pursued her, which she was having no part of for quite a while because <laughs> I was a musician, you know, and she, she, she didn't want to, she didn't want to take that chance and, you know, get done wrong. And I was like, you know, I stayed with it. I stayed pretty, I stayed pretty persistent, you know, and she finally went out with me and I finally talked her into it. I tricked her been 23 years, 23 years in November, man. You, you know, go. it'll be awesome. So I hope anyway. you figure it out. So keep, keep yeah. it up, man. Don't let her yeah. figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so, so back in the day, so you're, uh, who are your musical influence? You mentioned the Eagles. So what, what else were you playing back in the day? Man, I loved everything. When we were kids, remember I was mentioning my mom's a single mom. So she would sit me in front of the console stereo and I would listen to Fleetwood Mac and I would listen to Journey. And then when I got like in the seventh grade and eighth grade my friend slipped me like some judas priest records and some, oh, some records. And my mom would throw up my mom would find them this is so funny it's just, i mean people are like i can't believe she did that but this is this was great for so my mom and i ended up having so much fun with it until finally she admitted that she stopped disagreeing with me long before but she had to keep doing it because it was so much fun she would throw them away and i would go get new ones and i would hide them and she would find them and throw them away, and I would go get new ones. And this went on. I mean, this went on and on and on and on, Joe. Until finally, uh, then we had that talk, you know. But uh, uh, you know, I I loved rock, and so I listened. My, but my main influence growing up, I thought about your email, uh, was Rick Emmett from the band Triumph, and Triumph was a Canadian power trio. So you had people that were, uh, you know, you had your rockers in school, your ACDC mm -hmm. folk, which yeah. I was definitely part of and then you had your rush people okay okay your rush people were intellectual now then then those also those a lot of those people wanted to be in dream theater fans later on too and uh, uh what's the band oh my god i can't believe it uh silent vicinity quindrike there it is oh, yeah. Think, thinking man's rock and roll you know what i mean yeah uh, and but there was triumph over here and they were my guys they were right in the middle right in the middle with their flag well, you know what I mean? Hey, uh, hey, this podcast is big in Canada now. We got we got a lot of Canadian awesome. listeners. Yeah. Hey, you know, we got our listeners in Canada. Hey, you guys in Canada. Hey, well, let's let's combine them. Yeah, my shout out to my friend Ernie who came on the podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, he he pretty much runs Canada. People don't know that they think there's a prime minister. It's Ernie is the guy. So you, know, you hook me up. Hey, Ernie. You know the closest I came to Canada was this last this 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 past year. Uh, uh, my friend Scott Johnson and I we. He has a, a, a job up that he travels around and checks on government facilities. And so I was able to get a, a, a break from work and from everything and, and a hall pass. And, I, and I, I went up to Maine. And after the things he had done, we stayed for a couple of days and we fished up there on the Canadian border where the fishing was terrible because there had been no rain up there. But it was pretty cool, Joe, to get sat, sit and watch the sun come up or go down over the Canadian border almost every morning. You know, it's pretty, pretty up in Canada. So, yeah. Man, I, I need more Canadians in my life, man. I, I, haven't, I haven't met a Canadian I didn't like. So, man, they're, they're good people. So, appreciate yeah, them. I, I, I think all the Canadians that hate Americans stay in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have to meet those, those guys and girls, do we? So, anyway, although, also, although, when I lived in Ireland, I lived with a French-Canadian girl. So, I, I lived with three girls when I lived over there. It sounds awesome, but it was terrible. Uh, I, lived, <laughs> I, was, I was a roommate with a French-Canadian. She was not a fan of your boy over here. So, that was, that was my one bad experience, but. Well, there you go. Other now, we're good. Go. So, so you've been doing gigs for you know thirty plus years now. So what's you can, going back? Do you have one that kind of stands out, or a few that stand out over the years, for good or bad? One. Uh, well, you know what? How about if I give you a good and a bad? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. I was playing. The, here, the good one is in two thousand. I want to say it's two thousand seven. If it was two thousand six, I apologize. It's one of those years. Uh, I was out with Garrity, and we played the Grand Ole Opry. And uh, that was probably one of my most, if not the most memorable gig, not just because it was the Opry, but it was because the whole time I was going up, I'm trying my best not to get off tour and miss you with this. But my grandma would always say, you know, boy, you stay with that guitar and that singing, and you're going to be on the Opry one day. Wow. So there you go. There you go. Grandma knows. Yeah, man. She coolest woman That's pretty I amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. So, uh, well, you know, the bad one is this. I guess, you know, lots of things have happened. Uh, well, see, see, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a choice because there's two that just came to my mind. So they both okay. got to be epic. You know what I mean? So one was when I was a kid and one was when I was grown. Which one do you want? Wrong. All day long, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, all right. 
I went on the road, same, same deal, same in my, it wasn't the same leg, but we were out for, you know, a good while. We never stayed out for a ton of time. So all of us had families in so Gary. So we came home and, uh, but we went out, we played these festivals and we were in Saginaw in a horseshoe and there was 40,000 people there. Daryl Worley was riding, 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 riding around on the horse. It was awesome. And I got to talk to him and we, you know, cause Daryl Worley's got ties in enterprise. Oh, I didn't know. And he, has, and he has a furniture store there for furniture. So anyway, I went up there and we're talking to Daryl and we got on stage and they had this big stage on one end of the horseshoe and one on the other end. The horseshoe was a big in middle island with a horseshoe bay around it. Okay. The sack and all that goes around it. And so uh, if I remember correctly, so if you're from Michigan, don't get mad at me if I messed up. So (laughs) anyway, but we started to play and like second song, the generators pop. Mm-hmm. These big generators, like the size of my house generators, you know what I mean? And they went out. Well, they flipped back to the other stage, and those generators were gone. And there was going to be no more music on that side of the stage. And since it worked out that way, they just took out those stuff, and our show was over. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we went back to the truck bus, and I had a bottle of Jack Daniels from the courtesy people there. You know, it was my rider and my can of chew, you know. And I, uh, I drank it because we didn't have anything else to do. I said, are we, good? are we leaving today? And the bus driver had just gotten down to sleep. You know, and the bus drivers have to get rest too, you know? Sure. And so they, he needed to rest whether we had a gig or not. But we just set up a land generator and the guy stayed at the hotel and we to sleep and we just stayed there. And so I drank that bottle of whiskey and I asked, there was a lady from the record company there that day and I said, Charlie, and she said, yes. And I said, do we have anything to do today? And she said, no. And so I drank that bottle of whiskey. And and I don't know, an hour. Oh. And oh, I was I was right in about two hours, yeah. I was I, I was bet. I, I, bet. I thought I was the funniest guy you'd ever meet. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I just kept talking and kept talking. She walked in and she goes, Hey, the people at the radio station that own the radio station, they want to have you guys come to have to dinner at their house, have a big celebration party after. And they felt bad because you couldn't play, they want you to come. And I was like, Oh no, you're not taking me in public. You're not doing this. You can't do this to me. And so they came back and then the record company rep guy came in and he said, Mike, and I said, yes, Patrick. And he said, you really have to go, man. That lady just loves that. She just loves you. She thinks you're great. You know? And I was like, but I'm hammered and I can't be in public. He was like, you know what? Stay close to me and we'll be okay. Well, I wasn't okay because I was hammered at the party and it was so I lost you there. If I got you back now. Yeah, you're back. You're back. Sorry, I, I'm on my phone, so I had to mute call of some sort. Anyway, I, I got really drunk and I was in public and everything went okay. And I was and I was a gentleman, but I'm you know, I'm a gentleman, but I finally uh I finally stated my case because the radio stations guy came up to me and he said, Man, Mike, are you okay? You don't look very good. I said, I am I am hammered and I can't eat this food and I and I just can't be here. I need to get home. And he's like, you know what? They made you come, didn't they? Because my wife was here. She's a big fan of yours. I tell you, he said, I tell you what, if you can get through this, well, I'll make sure that you get back to your bus. And she came over and met. And we took a picture together and it came out okay, I guess. And I, he put me in his limo and they, they sent me back to the to the room. I mean, not the room, but the, uh, to the uh, to the bus. And uh, I'll never forget that because you want to hear the rest of the story? Yeah, there's, absolutely. There's really bad part. This is, this is the guy part, okay? My friend Ryan Tillery is a drummer at the time. Ryan was eating these uh, peanuts that were in the middle of the tables. They're, you know, tables all spread out, and peanuts in the middle. And, you know, those kind of, they're kind of like Boston baked beans to have the yeah. coating, the sugar coating, the cinnamon uh-huh. on them. Yeah, he was talking those in his mouth, and he was sucking the cinnamon stuff off of them, and he was dropping them back in my bowl, and I was eating them. <laughs> <laughs> and I never knew it. And he was just... He was just in tears laughing at me. And I thought, what is so funny? And I kept looking at my shirt, you know, and I, you know he's like, oh, dude, like, what did I do? You know, I just eat these peanuts the whole time. And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, dropping them back in the peanut. I'm eating. So, so that's my worst gig ever. And it wasn't. That's not, that's not too bad. 30 plus years, man. That's not bad. That's not bad. Then, if you ate, ate a few used peanuts, that's not too bad. Yeah. One, yeah. I mean, yeah, and the one when I was a kid is a lot shorter. When I was a kid, I stepped on stage and I was barefooted and I stepped into a water puddle and I hit my cable with a festival on it. And it not to be six feet back. And 
I don't know how long I was unconscious, maybe two or three seconds. But when I woke up, I was laying there. I was playing basically gigging. I was laying there with my bricket blocker on my chest. And uh, I, th- I took it as a sign from God to never play bass again. <laughs> so you got to listen to those signs, right? I didn't. I picked up a six string. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's those are great stories. I know you probably have a hundred of those from being on the oh, road man. and all that good stuff. So some of the so, ones I have, most of the ones I can't tell. Yeah, but that's one of Ryan's favorite ones to tell on me. Is oh, I that Mike just kept eating those darn peanuts? Nah, man. So he had to quit eating. He had to quit doing it because he started getting choked up because he would laugh so hard at me. You know? <laughs> anyway, we better move on. I talk yeah, about you get, a, you get a peanut in your trachea. That ain't that ain't no good for anybody. So it's not uh, it's not fun for anybody. So, man, as a as a musician, do you have favorite songs you perform? Like, it maybe changed over the years. Like, right now, what's your what's your current favorites for you? You like performing right now? I know you're a songwriter as well as a musician. So, well, is it some of yours or somebody else's? What's your favorite? Can I, all right, can I kind of not yes or no that? Yeah, uh, you do whatever you want, man. I, I know I just did that to you, but uh, you know, I thought about that question too, and most of the time when I'm writing a song, that's in my mind. Uh, I just wrote one that I that I, I'm I'm 95% done with. I'm just not sure about a couple of little things. And when I've been meditating the last two or three days, I, I, I'm one of those weirdos that meditates. But when I, I, uh, I had to push that out or over here for a while because it's in my head so much. It's like that song you get stuck in your head and somebody says something, you know, like I used to walk by my friend Brian and Decatur and go, build me up Buttercup. And all day long, he'd go, I hate your guts. <laughs> It'd be, you know, I mean, just whatever it was, that song is, is you pop in your head and you oh, still yeah. sing, you know. Uh, so my originals are definitely uh, on my mind, you know, usually the most current one. Usually it's not a past one. And then somebody will say, hey, at the gig will say, hey, Mike, play that song. And I remember how much I love it, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, that's my favorite originals to play you know is the ones i'm thinking about but i but i did think of a couple to play today maybe to try to do for you today if you wanted me to do one later oh absolutely Uh, man i love it my my whole let's all drain at the same time episode is over so i think uh i can do one uh meant to be there man you gotta do it yeah i almost missed that message earlier as i'm trying to cop out it's like man yeah if if you're listening mike mike's playing hurt man he had had the sinus issue he's still he's playing hurt so he's he showed up anyway (laughs) i'm playing with the pain baby that's right that's right anyway uh but as far as covers go uh i know it really fluctuates with my with my with my with my mood does that make sense like if i really really want to rock i love playing like old peter green like oh well or uh or maybe some robin trower you know what i mean some uh some bridge size or something like that i I love that stuff you know or but if i'm feeling really 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 sappy you know what i'm saying Maybe yeah. Death by Kiss, or maybe uh, that's definitely one of my high. People are like, "What?" But I, I love playing that on the acoustic guitar, you know. And and I and I also love doing Soul Shine. That's a fun song to do. And uh, uh it was uh, it was my friend Doc's. Uh, yeah, I know you knew Doc Rock probably. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it was his, one of his favorite songs that I, that I did, you know. And I did it. And, uh, I have several friends that to come to me and they say, "Hey, man, I love that song." And I'm like, "You know, I do too. It's cool because we both do." But I guess. That would be my favorite cover. How about that? That's awesome. Time for some inspiration, but they're not my favorite covers to play because Rickham is like impossible to cover almost. Yeah. You know, the guy from Triumph. So I don't know if you ever listen to much of their music, but but anyway, that's why I'm out with it. Some from Warren Haynes or some or some Kiss or you know or something I just wrote. There you uh, go. The whole uh, spectrum, man. That's part of being hey, a musician, right? I yeah. Tell you, can I tell you something really cool? Yeah, I have a really cool thing to share on the podcast this morning. For Jude's 16th birthday, which was last Sunday, we went into uh, Clearwave Studios in Decatur and we recorded a song that we wrote last year. Uh, Jude and I, were, we did this song together and he wrote the, the chords for this song. I might have put one in there. Right? And I don't even recall that, to be honest. Wow. With you, songs. But what was so cool about it was a couple of things. The obvious, I wrote a song with my kid. Boom, bucket list. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Uh, it's like coaching your kid's ball team. It's a big thing. It's a big it's thing. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of an unspoken thing for the dad. You know, when I found out you were doing that, I was like, ah, oh, it's awesome. You know what I mean? Same, same thing, only different thing. And the song is solid. 
and it's a song it's called always been you and i wrote most of the lyrics i think he wrote me a couple lines and helped me with it i gave him some options and he helped me with the lyrics we wrote it and we cut the song in the studio and we videoed it and it's coming out it's oh, the first yes. thing mix. uh i don't know when it's going to come out yet but it will be hopefully by the end of march Oh, very cool. uh, it, it may not be it may be april but that's that's been my favorite song in my head lately because the band had to learn it to cut it with jude and jude had to learn it again to cut it with the band and joe he did such a good job all the guys right. even even the engineer was like man that kid just he had to punch one part because it was a chord that he played and rise the song and he goes dad i think i have to do it again because i clam baked this chord right by the bridge and i'm like you know what let's just look back to it and jeremy said well, you can punch that in he was like really cool and so he punched in one try never missed the end part never missed the end part and all the musicians out there to listen know how big the deal that is it's very easy to let that get in your head and not quite get it you know and, or just to go ahead and cut the whole track again but he didn't have to and he did a really great job on that and he sang the backgrounds with me you know what i mean it's just let's yeah. go. i'm really let's really go, jude let's go jude that's awesome man i can't wait to hear it i me either and i can't wait i haven't heard the mix everybody's like let me hear it i'm like yeah, i don't know you know and i am that guy too joe by the way and when i was younger i had a studio a recording studio and now that i don't i don't i don't want to hear the mix until you're done with it and then i want to go listen to it and for something else i want i'll tell you but i don't want to get in your chair and try to do your job you should do right. it Done. And Jeremy Stevens is a, a stud engineer at Clear Web yeah. Studios. He's been there for a long time. And those guys are, you know, uh, I think if there's one studio in North Alabama besides this, besides, you know, the Muscle Shoals, you know, bunch that we have that's so awesome now, you know, Jimmy over there in the Shoals and with Rodney over at Fame too, you know, uh, those are great places but decatur you know clearway recording studios is a great place you know and uh, uh I, but we had a really great time and jude had a great time in the studio and uh i mean you know anyway so yeah that's that's i wanted to share that thank you for letting me share that's that awesome people. hey man it's always great here in decatur so y'all had to go out there i hear you man that's, that's gonna I be awesome that place, man i love that folks in decatur they listen to us when we go over there and play and i and I, I appreciate that that's, that's something you and Jude can have the rest of your life, man. That's so cool. Yeah, man. I can go back and check that out, man. That's really neat. So uh, anyway, that's, yeah. thanks. Oh, I appreciate you sharing that, man. So uh, going back over the years, you've been at this for a while. What's 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 been your biggest failure over the years? We, you know, we both aren't big on failure, but kind of what, your, uh, what a failure was and how you learned from it and grew from it. Well, you know, stopping to care when i was drinking so much yeah just forgetting that i had i get tore up that i had so much mm -hmm. you know we do that we do yeah. that you know we, we lie we lie to ourselves you know about it and then we wonder we get pissed at everybody around us or upset you know, sorry if i said the wrong thing but i mean you know we get yeah. we get mad and lash out at people around us because of the crap we're doing and really it's just something we knew inside we should have been doing the whole time instead of giving up yeah and, uh what I learned from it was not to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, the old, I started laughing, the old joke, you go to the doctor, the doctor, it hurts when I do this. The doctor says, don't do that. You know? Stop doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, it's, uh, uh, you know, that was what I learned was that, you know, uh, for me, you know, you, you always have something there. It's just sometimes we forget it. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, uh, you know, uh, that's that's it that's what i learned from what i learned from was not to give up and to, to continue to move because uh i can't be the best i can't be the best dad if i'm not here and i can't be the best husband i can be if i'm not here you know what i mean you know we it's up and down you know how it is you're married too we got great wives but they don't mean we don't fuss and argue and get miscommunications and things happen and you just have to kind of skate through it but it depends on how you react sure to it. you yeah. know you can let it come and you can go we were talking about that earlier too so, you know i don't know you know just, just let that go you know it's not that it's not important you know and but i couldn't see that then all i could see was how sorry i felt for myself and how yeah you, know, you get that tunnel vision man that's all you see so it's it's tough it, so it's, it is it's ridiculous you know and so i'm glad that i'm glad that i was uh able to make it yeah glad you came you out of it man and that's yeah. why I lost that way. That's why I lost it, you know. And that's when I when I quit 
you know, I thought, well, if I'm going to quit chewing tobacco and quit drinking in the same day, I'm going to have to do something. or I'm going to be gaining a hundred pounds or something crazy like that. And I don't need that either. It's just as bad for me. So I'm going to go ahead and start getting active. So I started riding my bicycle and I loved it. And then it started getting cold and I have really sensitive ears. I started getting ear infections and I can't sing Joe. So if I can't sing, I can't make money. And I'm like, man, I need to be doing something about this. So I went to Craymore because my son had mentioned he, he had taken Tiger Rock for several years and he was a level three black belt. Uh, but he just was, he didn't want to do that anymore. He wanted to do something else. And he came to me and he said, Hey, how about if we did Croft together? And with all the money I was saving, not buying shoe, I paid for it. You. you know what I mean? So, you know, all of you that are out there thinking you can't do that, just if you're smoking or chewing, you know, just think about it. Be like me, be the consummate cheapskate, consummate cheapskate, and realize how much money you're going to save when you do it. And that, man, that helped me, you know, it wasn't my driving factor or anything, but it definitely, it, uh, it, it helped me during that time. And I started taking crop with Jude and we, we, we attended there for the next couple of years, man, I just, it changed my life, you know, and that's where I got introduced to yoga, you know? And so it gives you awareness and it gives you, uh, a, a, a confidence, you know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, it, you know, I, it, it makes me even more of a fan of yours. It does. Appreciate that, man. I, I just know that everything's yeah. Well, everything's tied together, right? When you get your yeah. physical together, it's going to help with your mental, your emotional, and 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 likewise as well. So yeah, that, that's and what I mean by that is that we, we, all of us have to have something that we can do, and if we can't find something that we can do, well, a lot of times we just give up. You know what sure. I mean? Oh, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't like going to the gym, and I, I, I don't, I don't want to go to to do this personal trainer thing. Some people have to have a personal trainer to get by, and some yeah. people have to have that camaraderie in the gym. Some people love to watch the evening news and run as fast as they can on a treadmill. Yeah. And who am I to say that you shouldn't do that? Right. I'm not, not going to because it's awesome. always been my thing, man. We're all meant to move. We were built to move. You just got to figure out what that means for you. You know, some people like beating the crap out of each other, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's how they like I to stay it. physical. I and, loved it, man. I, I got yeah. knocked out a couple of times taking crab. You know what I mean? Just for a minute, you know, not a minute, but like a few seconds. But I mean, you know, it, it, when you are familiar with the pain, you're not afraid of it. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, I, I got to that point, I guess. That's just a weird thing for me. But I but I got to that point and what I really, really wanted to do was not fight. I wanted to get limber. I wanted to do that, Joe. Yeah. I couldn't do the splits. I still can't do the splits, not side to side. Uh and so, you know, I'm just trying to get there. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh it's every little thing, like when you're taking jiu-jitsu, there's certain certain, you know, you get you wanna uh get to the point. Does that make sense? You know, yeah. like when I got to level two, when I was him out in level one in Krav, I wanted to be in level two just so I could see what they were doing. Because you, mm -hmm. you couldn't stay. You could watch the class a couple of times. They'd be like, no, get out of here, you lovely level one person. <laughs> you don't get to be in here with us. We work yeah. for this. You know what I mean? And uh, I will say, when we got our level one clearance and we went to level two, my son and I trained out together and we got in the car and looked at him and he goes, dad. And I said, yeah. And he goes, that's the hardest thing I'll ever do. And I said, me too. Me too. So let's go celebrate. We went to Tim's and I, you know. There you uh, go. Uh, well, there's a reason I, I, I like jujitsu is because I was terrible at it, which sounds weird, but it's there's value in being willing to do something you're terrible at, right? And I knew I was not very good at it. And also, I, I teach people that come into my fitness classes. They're very nervous. They don't know what they're doing. Um, they're beginners as well. So it's good to go back and be a beginner at something again. You know, a lot of as you become an adult, sometimes you don't do that. So it's been valuable for you as well. Right. It gives you that rush, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It's that it's that euphoria you can't get, you know what I mean? There's there's a lot to be said for mundane things. You know, once you once you get those things into the place and you do them every day, sometimes we think, well, that's pretty boring, but it's edifying. It it shows your strength that you can do that. It shows courage, in my opinion. But but then when you start something new, it's a different euphoria. It's that man. You know, like Kim asked me that one time. I think you did the husbands at boot camp. She was like, you want to go to boot camp? And I was like, oh, no, Joe Martin's a beast. He'll kill me. <laughs> and then after you stopped doing it, I was like, I should have went. 
I should have went to that. That would have been fun for me. Even if it crushed me, it would have gave me that, what you just said, you know what I mean? And, uh, and a shoot, I mean, I, I never was a, a star prop pupil either, you know, I yeah. just, uh, I had to learn and they made, they laughed at me. Some of my instructors laughed so hard at me because I would just forget, man, I was going there going, I, I don't know this. And show me and I, and I, and I know that I practiced. And so I mm-hmm. took videos and stuff on my phone. Even some of the guys would, and girls would help me with stuff. You know, that's a couple of female instructors there too, that were just, man, I, I would pay a crisp $100 bill to watch somebody take to try to take those girls purse in the parking lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tell you, it'd be a fun thing to watch. Yeah, he's yeah. trained at Maverick in the uh, the, the late uh, Suzanne Ramsey owns it. She's a yeah. female black belt and she'll, she'll and smoke. Yeah. Oh, oh, she, yeah, she would be fun to watch her try to get it. Yeah, but, and now uh, what's her son's name? Uh, Evan you, is her son's name. Evan. Yeah, now he is. Uh, I, I, I went to one of his seminars. Uh, at, at Claymore too, uh, and he is a champion uh, Brazilian yeah. Jiu-Jitsu uh, practitioner, practitioner, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was amazing to watch the 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 what do you call it, the vinyasa of it. I don't know why I struggled with that word, but that flow of it. You know how how mm-hmm. fast he could just get a two hundred and sixty pound marine in a pretzel position oh, that man. he couldn't get out of. He wasn't getting out of it. Yeah, tap. it'd be humiliating. Like he would be, he would, I would be grappling with him and he would just be like instructing other people while he's just got me pressed up. He's like, okay, y'all be doing stuff over there. I'm, I'm at like 200 pounds. I'm in good shape, pretty strong. He just, man, I'd be, I'd be like a, if you wrestled with a, a four-year-old or something like that. Yeah. Amazing. Makes you, yeah. And that, that for me, uh, you know, I guess I think you probably could get on board with this when you, when you, when somebody humiliates you that quickly, you know, there's something to it. Yeah, and I was like, hey, jujitsu works. When I first showed up and these people were pretzeling me up, they were I was much bigger, stronger, faster. I was like, all right, this stuff works. You know, it'll yeah. convince you. So I watched um, him. I was there, uh, Mr. You know, Ryan Rushton is uh, he he invited me. He said, Ryan, man, Mike, you need to come and check out Evan. He is absolutely amazing to watch. And so I talked to Mickey too, and he said, You should come. And the other instructors, Jeff, and they're like, Hey man, you should come, you should come and sit and watch, you know, because I wasn't level three. Or level, I was level two then, but I couldn't go to the other. So I sat and watched yeah. those guys, and uh, Evan was amazing, man. I ran into him a couple of times at Roosters Crow. I think I've seen yeah. you there. I know I have, oh, yeah. yeah. I love yeah. those guys over Tyson and everybody at Roosters Crow Coffee. Yeah. They're good folks over there, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm always pumping locals. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Evan's a great instructor, too. He's not just good at it. He's also really good at instructing, too. So if you want to learn yeah. jiu-jitsu, yeah. Maverick's a great place, so. Yeah, he was easy to talk to. I mean, he talked to me that day, and I was like, man, that's so cool. That he, you know, because I know that, you know, as it's like for you at boot camp, you know, and at the end, you know, uh, this girl, this girl's going to come and talk to you, and they're going to ask you about what this exercise is, and then you're going to take the time with them. But then sometimes you might get uh, some that are more inquisitive and more like me, they don't get it yet, and they stand there, stand there, stand there. But you're always patient, you know. And I, I noticed that about you, and I noticed that about Evan too when I met him. And uh, uh, that's a man. That's a quality. That's a quality, man. Compassion is a quality that a lot of people, that everybody needs, but everybody, but not not everybody has or is that's able. Right. To, you know what it's I mean? We rare. we mistake we mistake our compassion for other things, you know. Right. Anyway. So you mentioned uh, earlier about uh, you and Jude recorded a song. What's something else positive that has come out of this whole pandemic, COVID craziness situation? So it's you hear about the negative a lot. What's something positive came out of your life? Let's go with this, okay? I, I thought about your question when you sent it to me, and I would have to say, I mean, I wrote a lot of songs, Joe. I wrote 14 songs during the shutdown. Wow. shutdown. Uh, and it kept, me, it kept me rooted. But what happened was... I was going to yoga once a week for an hour and maybe I can't remember some, some weeks a little more. And I was practicing at home for 30 minutes a day, three more days a week. And when the pandemic hit, I began to do yoga one to three hours a day, five days a week, six days a week. I began to break it up. I began to really, really, stay in poses longer and develop my practice and develop my uh my strengths in that area and develop my start to develop my course so i my biggest positivity thing i would think besides the fact that the obvious one is i got to spend time with my family and they couldn't leave <laughs> yeah. they couldn't go do anything they had That's to right. do so i enjoyed right. that but i also really enjoyed and immersing myself in my practice 
to become a, a, a stronger person and a better person, you know? Sure. That's awesome, yeah, man. That, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's the number one thing. That self-work is so important. It's tough, but it's, it's important. It is. And once you do it, it really gives you the confidence that I've never had in my whole life. Even playing in front of 40 or 50,000 people, which I've done a bunch of times, much more than people probably know. That's really great. But not like the satisfaction of doing a headstand for the first time and not having to use anything to hold me up. You know what I mean? Uh, just saying. Those those self those breakthroughs. You know what I mean? Like when you said, like if you get into that move, that one guy that totally racked you down that first day can't do it now. That feeling, yeah, that feeling. You know that. Hey, because well, you know how far you've come. That's that's how you build confidence. You do something you didn't think you could do. I mean, that's just if you simply boiled it down to confidence, that's what it is. You sucked at something, now you can do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing, yeah, man. And I and uh, yeah, I'm really thankful for 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 the chance to get to you know. Yeah. So, so uh, you, you've been all around the country traveling and all that stuff. So tell me about if you could go to any restaurant, your favorite restaurant, where would you go right now? Imagine you don't, there's no COVID, you don't, you can sit down, you can hang out. Where would you go? I asked such a restaurant for this and restaurant for that guy, Joe. It makes it really hard for me. And I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And uh, uh, gosh, really. Most of my favorite restaurants ever in the whole world are here in Huntsville. But if I had to just leave this city and go and get some food somewhere and just absolutely love it, I would go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And there is a local place there. I don't even know this guy. I never even met him. I never even met him. It's Jimmy's uh, and it's Jimmy Z. It spells it with J-I-M-M-Y-Z. Hibachi. And he does hibachi there. And it's just, a, it's like a, when you walk in, it's like an old church's fried chicken or an old Popeye's or an old KFC kind of, you know what I'm saying? It's like an yeah. old, an old chain, chain wasn't there anymore. You know what I mean? And the place has been there almost 30 years. So I don't know what it was before, but he serves, he's a surfer and he serves hibachi. So you get your, your, your protein, your, your bowl. First of all, the servings are enormous. I got a combo at the time. I, you know, we talked earlier, but it's kind of the time I got a steak and shrimp one. And ever since then, every time I go through Myrtle Beach, I have to go to Jimmy C's. Actually, I have to, I have to go there. And I go there and eat. And they have a little tiny ice, too, Joe. A oh, little yeah. tiny ice. Uh, oh, and, they had, and they had pink lemonade. Fanta. Oh. Oh, it was a Fanta. No, 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 no. no. It's Minimade. Because they, they had the peach soda Fanta, too. But they had the, the lemonade on the, on the gun. And you get uh, the good ice with the pink lemonade, man. You're living on the high. What's a good hibachi? That's my, yeah, that's one of my only sugar drinks. If I'm in, if I go through, yeah, I haven't been to Myrtle Beach in a long time now, but I know Jimmy's still there or Jimmy C's or whatever. I don't even know what they call it, but I, a friend of mine sent a message. But after I got back from there the last time, he's like, man, I'm in, I'm in Myrtle Beach. Where should I go eat? I said, you got to go to Jimmy C's. And he went, he sent me a message. I took the picture. He's like, dude, this is amazing because they give you there so you much go. food and it's cheap. And it's a bunch of young people that work there. You know okay. what I mean? He employs college and high school age folk, and they're all just really nice and informative. I mean, how many times you walk into a restaurant to get your food in under 10 minutes, and the person serving it to you knows every ingredient in it? I don't know. That happens around very often. It doesn't happen because he's <laughs> such a great boss, they say. He's so, uh, or that's what I heard. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know the guy, but, uh, but anyway, Jimmy's, Jimmy's, uh, all right. or Jimmy's, I gotta go soccer. now, man. I gotta go to the beach. Yeah, yeah. You're there. Go, there. go there and get a combo hibachi. I mean, it was Joe, it was 12 bucks, I think. I yeah. tipped him 20. I just couldn't believe how good the service was. They were just on top of it and they checked That's on awesome. and talked to me. They'll do it for you too if you go in there. I'm sure of it. And so if they don't, looking, don't yeah. <laughs> So looking back, looking back over your life, what is uh what is the best compliment you've ever received? Man, I guess the best compliment I ever get, and I've gotten it just two or three times, is is and it's it's my least favorite thing to do is to play a, a funeral procession. But uh, when I played my grandma's, I got some compliments from some of her friends that were, you know, in their eighties and listen, you know, you know, if you folks out there don't know this little kids and old adults, they don't really care about your feelings. <laughs> They're going to tell you what they think. 
So if they like it, they're going to tell you. And if they don't like it, they're going to tell you. And it's up to you to be prepared for that. And I got, I mean, you know, nothing's better than half a dozen crying old ladies telling you they just loved your songs. Yeah. You sang for Mary Ruth. You know what I mean? So I just, that was it with my my grandma and my aunts. You know, they asked me to do it, and they all yeah. they were thankful, uh, you know, and uh, my mom, you know, of course, my mom. And, uh, but I couldn't look at them. Oh, yeah. But I, but I, but I sure had a great time doing it because I knew that I've, I could really, really, it gave me all the closure I needed losing my grandma. She was the best woman I ever met, you know, and uh, uh, she uh, she deserved that. Sure. Well, that's a special memory, man. That, 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 that was my best memory, man. That was my best compliment. I thought about what you said. I, I got, you know, I got some great compliments from uh, from Vince Gill at the Opry too, you know. And uh, nice. And I, uh, I got to hang out with him and Amy while uh, while they changed strings on his Martin, you know. And it was really uh, I held the door for him that night when he came in. He goes, "Hey, man, my name's Vince." I'm like, "Dude, I know exactly who you are." You know? <laughs> yeah, I you. He's so big, man. Joey Shear, he's a big old dude. I wouldn't mess with him. I wouldn't push him at the Taco Bell. He put me in the wall. But, uh, but he was real nice. He's like, hey, we're coming back here. And he was changing his strings. He was like, I decided I'm going to play this one tonight. But I didn't like the strings on it. I'm like, dude, you're about to go play at the Grand Ole Opry on brand new strings. Are you crazy? They're going to stretch. But he sat there the whole time stretching them. And he went out and crushed it. And when I got ready to go out, I was standing there. And I was just starting to get that seat of doubt, Joe. And I turned around. And Clint was, uh, uh, Vince was standing there. He goes, man, you're going to crush it. Get out there, Bane. And, uh, I noticed one of your questions was, do I have a nickname? So uh, I guess we could approach that one if you want to. Yeah. So they call you the Bean. They call me the Bean. Uh, how'd, that that, come, how'd that come about? That came about because when I was out with uh, with the record company, with, uh, with with Gary, the you know, you have these people that come and they look at you, and then they look at you with their clipboard, and they tell you what you're going to wear, and they tell you what you're going to how your hair is going to be. I mean, they did, you know what I mean? There's a lot of things that are, that are, that are behind the scenes that are kind of weird. Do you know, yeah. I, got to, I got to have my makeup airbrushed one time for a, for a C, for a CMT show. You know what I mean? Just stuff like that. You know, it's like, you would never think that some dude was going to get that on, especially not Mike Roberts. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it was, it was, it was neat because she said, you can stay, dressed how you are and i saw the show last night and you got us not ever 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 stop jumping like that it's like a jumping bean on the stage <laughs> and then they were like jumping bean i was like don't you do it and so i i had this i had this string of nicknames that gary had given me and really honestly gary could probably only say it but it was it was so long but uh but my nickname was jumping bean when we came back uh uh when Chad and I started doing a duo, Chad Reese and I, uh, he, he's, you know, he's the other guitar player, singer, and, and uh, uh, he, he has a nickname from the road too called Shelvis because, you know, when we would drink too much, he would be Shelvis. Shelvis Presley. Good stuff. <laughs> no stories, no stories will be told there. But, uh, <laughs> but we called our duo Shelvis and Bane. So, uh, because they all just started calling me Bane. You know what I mean? I could see, I could see Blake Shelton at some festival and he'd go, Bane, you know, just whoever it was, you know, that I would see out there. And that was my nickname, Bane, you know. So there you go. That's how I got it, jumping around the stage. And they, oh, there they you like, go. Uh, I was an active player. And, uh, I can't contain my excitement when I'm playing the, playing music. Uh, it, it, it completely envelops me. And I think it should for everybody. But, you know, but then you got Michael, our bass player, on the other side of the stage, and he's moving his head. He's just standing like a statue, but he's listening. He's playing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And everybody else has got their own movements. You know, like Chad has his movements and stuff, and I'm up and down. You know, and that's just kind of a thing. You know, so uh, uh, there you go. So that's it's kind of it's kind of tying into your your passion for your music. What what inspires you to play your music? So you you feel this? I mean, what is that like? What are you What are you inspired by? Man, when I was a kid, uh, I was able to play when I was depressed and able to play when I was bullied and able to play when uh, I was happy and able to play when I was sad. And it was, it was, it was the one thing I could reach over and pick up that didn't cost me anything else. And sit down and hold it and play it. 
And then, like you were saying while I go about jiu-jitsu, you start to develop a passion for progress. And then you begin to go and feel that pro progress. And so my inspiration to play originally was very innocent. My mom is a singer. She's a very beautiful woman. She was uh, running up in Miss Alabama when she was younger. I don't know what year it was because I never kept up with it very much. But she, but because she didn't talk about it much. But she was a great singer. And she went out and toured some with uh, Will McFarland when he was out doing Christian music and uh, and Lenny LeBlanc and uh, Aaron Wilburn uh, back in the day. And so I got to hang out, and see all that stuff happen, and that gave me passion. Her her love of music gave me passion to try it too because if it meant that much to her, it had to be cool. And it was and i kept yeah. doing it and i kept doing it and uh that was my passion for it you know what i mean just to just to get better and get there and then when i cut my fingers off the dodgers are like well you might as well just find something else to do kid you don't be able to play the guitar again man that made me so mad joe man i got so mad at those doctors and i you know i just i just wanted to practice and i tried everything i flipped it over upside down i uh i went left you know what i mean i did everything i could do but you can't unforget something you know. And when it's there, I mean, you can let it go. But I wasn't ready to let it go because it was my passion. I wanted to play. So I just continued to do it. And then, uh, you know, it just finally one day I finished a tune. I can all, that's the only way I can say it to you. And so that was my passion. It was just to, you know, originally was just to, to be able to be free. And it was successful. Uh, listening to all that music as a kid. It made sense to me. The very first album I learned in its entirety was Wheel in the Sky. Uh, uh, the Wheel in the Sky album what was a journey. Uh, I don't even remember the name of the album now. I'm so, I'm so, so sad, but I know. Uh, but then I learned uh, Screaming for Vengeance. And I learned those albums like back, Judas Priest. And I learned those, those albums in like two weeks difference. And all my friends were like, dude, you need to go see a doctor. You're, something's wrong with you. You're living two completely different kinds of music. But, but you know, it just was, that was it. That was it. That's what gave it to me. So that's my best answer I got for you is that, is that I just was uh, surrounded by it. And, and I was I was encouraged to be a musician, but not to be a full time musician. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Your parents want the best for you and they just didn't see that as the best for me. And all I could right. see was, man, y'all are crazy. If I want to go to college for four years, I got to be making money right now playing Let's Have One Down the Street or whatever it is I'm trying yeah. to play, you know, and and so. Yeah, that's what gave me my passion. You know, it's so it's great. Well, they say, Joe, if you if you love what you do, you never work a day into your life. That's it, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you just kind of glanced over. What's this about cutting your fingers off? Oh, uh, uh, oh, yeah. It's not something I talk about, but it, but it, it was, I guess, in passing, it had to be part of that answer. Uh, oh, in 1984, I worked on a reconstruction crew at Valley Hill Golf Course. Mm -hmm. We were rebuilding the golf course at that time. It used to be a different course than it is now, and we turned it into a twenty-seven a, 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 a hole course uh, instead of an eighteen-hole course. And we we added lots of greens and tees and this sort of thing. Uh, irrigation, everything was replaced, and we tore all the old sod up and would move it over and then move it back. Well, the sod machine got messed up. It's a tractor, and I'm, I was inside of it working on it on 4th of July in 1984. And uh, someone came back from lunch, and the note that I had placed on the seat with the rock, it was very windy that day, and we came in early, so we wanted to get off early, and we were getting paid double time, but we wanted to get off early because it was 4th of July, and we were working really, really hard, and I was excited, someone turned it on. And when I had been working on the foreign object debris, the rock stuck in the, in the, the pulleys, it, it broke, and my hand went into the machine uh, when I was trying to escape it because the bed knife was going to cut my legs off about, oh, I don't know, a foot below my hip. You know what I mean? And there was about 6,000 pounds of pressure in those. When it hits, it was going to cut my legs off. And I knew it because I helped. I, I maintenanced that machine. It was my job. And I was young, but it was my job. You know what I mean? And that was what I knew how to do. You know what I mean? Like we were saying earlier with the computer, you know, if I, if I do it, I can learn. And man, I got out with my hand in and I shook my hand out of it as a reflex. And I was told by several people that I picked up the entire unit and shook it off of me. And the unit weighs about, I don't know, 2,500 pounds, you know. I don't know if you believe that or not believe that. But uh, but I, but I, when I looked at my hand, it was what I got, you know what I mean? My fingers were, this one was gone and mm -hmm. zigzag broke. It was laying in my hand. This one was like a, like it was a skeleton, tendons is what it was. That's why I was sitting looking at my hand. And uh, this was 
this, but it, I don't, a lot of people don't realize this, one of your arteries goes to your middle finger. And so it ends in the middle finger and you cut that middle finger. And I did, it, it releases arterial spray. Sure. And so I remember, this is going to be weird, but I remember going into shock and just laughing uncontrollably because my friend that was on the tractor that turned it on fainted and fell off it. And my buddy Bobby was with me. And he said, what happened? I said, I cut my fingers off. I was holding them in my shirt. He said, let me see it. I'm leaving. I took my hand out and blood sprayed on him. And he vomited. And it was the funniest thing I think I'd ever seen at the time because I was really, really in shock. And uh, yeah. uh, and then it's, I remember that a doctor came up and he started talking to me about my fingers. And I said, are you an effing doctor? And he says, as a matter of fact, I am an effing doctor. And he and he was a friend of mine's dad. And he looked at my hand. He goes, okay, what's going to do, okay? And he just totally cool and he just wrapped my hand up on this and hold that really really tight so it really hurts he goes does it hurt worse than your fingers being missing and i said no sir it doesn't and he said well then you know shut your mouth wait for the wait for the dog wait for the guy to come get you and so uh you know what time joe it's 1984 so they're building whitesburg extension to go to the hospitals that was gravel wow okay. so from from you go south of drake right you go down the hill there when you go right to california and then you go straight the road ended at Bob Wallace, and from there all the way to the hospitals, it was all gravel, okay? And so, which I guess is why there's that weird street by Hildegard's and all that, you know. The, yeah. the, but, uh, but it went on down, and uh, my boss was driving me, and I remember him going like 60 on that road, and it was scary. And I said, no, Brad, you're going to kill us all just driving this car, you know. So we slowed down, and we got there. But uh, but that that's that's how I cut my fingers off. Everything went good, you know, and I was in the hospital for a long time. I got a cellular bone infection, very similar to gangrene. Oh. Yeah. I was in the hospital for 12 days, uh, and uh, uh, church came in and said, hey, you think you can be healed? And I said, well, sure, I can be healed. And they laid hands on me and left, and they all came in the next day all crying with happiness and joy. And I was like, what's going on? They're like, well, they were going to cut your arm off because it had traveled up to your shoulder. But they came and prayed over you, and now it's dying. It's all the way back down to your elbow almost. And then the next day, it was all the way down to my hand. And the next day, I went home, man. Wow. and uh so uh you know people believe it or they don't believe but i do you know and uh i watched it happen but i had no idea because they kept me in the dark about it they're like you'll crush him if he finds out he's gonna lose his arm he'll go play his guitar anymore and uh you know and i believe it would have probably you know and it may, it may have broke me joe yeah. uh i would definitely have had a different life you know but uh i you know i i I'm okay, you know what I mean? And it was, I was 17 years old, man. It was, it was 17. And if I, you know, I'm 53. So, I mean, I've been playing a whole lot longer without them than I ever sure. would. If I came up tomorrow and said, hey, Mike, we got this operation. We can put your hand back together. I'd be like, no, I don't know about all that, man. That's kind of weird. I don't think I want to do that, you know, because I'm so used to it. So. Oh, man. That's crazy. That's I, I never knew. I never knew that story. So, that's, that's really yeah. interesting, man. So, um, May you feel like you're playing a little tune for us? Are you ready? Okay. Uh, let me grab a guitar real quick here. Sorry, I'm in my yoga bridges. Anybody sing me my That's yoga. right, man. That just, that just uh, legitimizes your yoga practice. Let people know you're that, legit. That, that adds to it. All right. I thought about it. Uh, you know, if, do, you have a, do you have a song of mine that is your favorite? Or? Mm, man, oh. I'm, I'm going to let you pick. Okay. Oh. There it goes. Uh oh. So first I have to do this number. This is hard to do some do it like this. This is my Danny Davis guitar, Joe. Oh, yeah. This is made here in Huntsville at the Low Mill uh, area. So hey, Tangle String, they they those yeah. are the best. They're the best. Yes, I, I really my man, my main mandolin and my main acoustic are both his creations. So, <laughs> darn string. I'll get there in a second. Okay, this is a song that I wrote with a guy named Chad Lawson, and Chad is a really world famous and world renowned jazz piano player. He does uh, lots of classical things, but his spin on it is so unique that he tours and he goes all over the world. You know what I mean? Russia. He goes everywhere and he plays and he sells out everywhere he goes. Uh, and he's such a, an accomplished musician, such a great guy. And when I met him, 
he wanted to be a songwriter and he wanted to be a musician and he was a player and he's a really great player. And we started doing some playing together and he played on one of my EPs called The Chain. Okay. And we wrote this song together that I ended up putting on the first five o'clock Charlie CD because he had just moved away. He was going to New York to be a jazz piano player. He lives in Manhattan now with his family. And uh, 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 we wrote this song and Alan Little played harp on it. Okay. Uh, you can probably find this cut on YouTube if you look. Uh, I did send you my, my link to go to the YouTube channel, and you can kind of just scroll through there, and you probably could find this if you looked. But Alan, I don't know, many people don't know that Alan's a great harmonic player, but he is. And so Alan, uh, uh, he, he played on it, and uh, it's a song that, that Chad and I wrote, and it's called Up One Day, Down, Down One Day. Okay. Oh. This guitar's hating me right now. Am I missing a dream? Longing for yesterday that I missed the scene. Is it all planned out for me? Should I wait and see? Oh, up on that down one day. Do you know what I mean? That's great, man. Some and do some things, uh, but the uh, 
the parade is pretty neat because he has a, he's part of the Hibernian Society, mm-hmm. and that society has a bagpipe player who's going to come and play, and they'll want the kids and everybody outside. But you, you got to have a mask; you're going to get turned away. You know what That's I mean? Right. And you will send you around, uh, you know, uh, uh, for the for the for the parade that day on the thirteenth. So, uh, but uh, other than that, I can't think of anything. That that video's coming out sometime. It will. You yeah, know. we look forward to that video, man. And uh, blam to the O dot com is where you check out check out five o'clock check the video see the gigs coming up but definitely come out to the page on the 13th if you're in town they do it up every year yeah we're still there and uh and man i i I can't thank you enough and i and i'm really i'm really really thankful that you wrote this book because i can't wait to read it and uh, and get edified by it because i know it's going to help me get some good ideas for uh from for for some cardio vascular stuff you know what i mean i'm kind of adding that back into my yoga uh uh, I mean, I get, you know, the yoga is pretty good at it, but, but I, but I, but I try to, to keep going with some other stuff and I, and I, it's going to give me some great, uh, stuff for eating too. I know that you have some eating, you have eating chapter. Number two. I know wow, awesome. wow, man. I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for spending time with me, man. It's always good to see you. Even if it's over the internet, man, good to hang out with you. Man, you too, man. I, I'm sure I'm honored, but you thought of me and, and thank you for having me on your show. Oh, absolutely, man. You have a great day. Good to hang good with to you. Say, man. You too, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you could do me a huge favor, if you could review, rate, share, all that good stuff about the podcast, help word, get the positivity out there, that would be great. Also, if you could check out my new book, Relentless Positivity on Amazon, that would be awesome too. And I hope you have a great day. Thank you.